I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace. We'll try it again without the sarcasm. Hey, greetings, everybody. Welcome back. So this is episode three of So There I Was. This one's called Two's Off, Winchester. Who joined us, Fig? Well, it was uh, Otto, and we found out how he got his call sign, Otto, and he had some great stories. He really did. He was the training officer when we got to 223. Uh, really good guy, and he has agreed to come back. Yeah, it was great. It was great content, and it took me right back uh, to some of those episodes that he talked about. So it should be good. should be good. I enjoyed it. I, as did I, and I think it was a nice mix of both squadron hijinks stories and uh, and aviation stories. Uh, there was another another title we considered, which was his speed break was sawed off, and I was laughing. So, uh, but we settled on two soft <laughs> Winchester. So, without further ado, everybody, here's episode three. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy. That's how every great aviation story starts. Hey, this is Fig. And repeat here uh, in New Hampshire tonight. Fig's coming in from Vegas, and we've got the middle of the country covered, too, with a guest tonight. Uh, welcome aboard, Otto. Hey, thanks, guys. Otto here from Iowa. Nice. We got you bracketed. Yeah. I'm in Vegas. He's on the East Coast. We got you bracketed, Otto. Sierra Hotel. So Otto was uh, one of the uh, one of the senior captains when I checked into uh, 223 back in the day. And um, were you in ops? Were you in the S3? Or were you for some reason? I think you were in maintenance. No, I was in ops. I was actually okay. the training officer. I took over for. Gangster, I don't know if he was, gangster. do you remember That's Gangster? Right. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. That's right. Hey, so, were yep, you, I was in the ops. Were you, w, you you're, were you WTI graduate? Had to be. I was not. No, oh, I was really? working up for it, but I just oh, never you were got that there because yeah. of all you, the, you had every well, call. all the trips, man, you know? You had every yeah. Call well, what happened was we seemed like every time we'd get ready for a WTI, I'd go to go overseas or go to combat or. Then finally my time ran out and you guys were going overseas, you know, where the squadron was. And then I ended yep. up taking another job. Right. But yeah, I had all the calls. I think I might've said it on the last show, but in case I didn't, WTI is kind of the Marine Corps version of what uh, people refer to as Top Gun. Um, but it's only more of better. a combined arms and only uh, yeah, better. only better. It's how to be a more uh, well-rounded yeah. attack and fighter pilot and uh, supporting the ground troops and all that stuff. So. Uh, yeah. I, I, I got a question, Otto, uh, I'm trying to formulate how to, how to say it. Uh, it honestly, remember it, that uh, time when you <laughs> 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 go for it, Fig. what the hell was I, 
You know what? Come back to it. Circle back. I gotta. I gotta. I, I lost right. my train of thought for a second. You. You. Uh, you were saying something, and I, I thought it's, I want to ask you a question. I'll come back to it when it hits me again. You were talking about around. gangster and training right. answer. Yeah. No? Oh, well, I was saying you guys were going to go overseas. I remember one yeah. of the cool things, like 223, right? And I guess think this happened after I left the squadron. Was it ended up in the uh, film? You know, with uh, Arnold oh, Schwarzenegger lies. and yeah. True Lies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, so I, had, I left just before that happened too. Yeah. I, I left to go to the training command. And, yeah. Yeah. I a bunch just of our guys that. flew in there. Uh, uh, Moto flew in that. Uh, yeah. I think Asia flew in it. Billy but, Betts. Uh, Billy Betts. Yeah. yeah. And one Billy... of the cool things that happened in there was uh, the, the Marine pilots that you see in that movie were, our, I think they were our seed shop guys. Asia said, let the troops get the glory and be on film. We're going to do the flying. We always get the glory anyway. And so the, the Marines that you see that are the pilots in the movie are actually seat shot troops. Say that three times fast. Seat shop troops. Okay, a little trivia for you. Yeah. One of them was not a seat shop guy. Okay. One of them was a Marine infantry staff sergeant named really? Scott Dodson. And I'm going to connect the dot for you real quick. Okay. So flash, flash forward from that time, 10 years. I'm the, uh, I'm the uh, assistant air officer for the 24th Marines headquartered in Kansas city. And I roll in there and there's this guy, gunnery Sergeant Scott Dotson. And he went to high school with my wife, but we connected the dots and he found out I was in VMA 223. He says, I have something for you. He gives me a picture of him standing with Arnold on the set. And he's decked out in flight gear, and he has Bill Betts' name tag on. He's the guy in the movie. Okay. Where where uh, what what was the side? What was the sidekick? It was married to Roseanne. What was that actor's oh, name? Oh, Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold walks up to him and says, "Hey, uh, he's okay. You know, he knows how to fly." And he says, "Hold hold on a second. You know, well, that was Scott Dodson. Okay. Was, yeah. Okay. And I I don't know how, but he was a he's a good looking dude. He he was about six yeah. two. You know." Much better, much too big and too good looking to be a Harrier pilot. I tell you that. But nice. yeah, there you go. Straight out of I, Central Casting. And he wrote. He Straight wrote, out of Central Casting, right? Jake? Yes. And he signed uh, a picture of him and Arnold uh, for me, and it's in my bar at home. Oh, very cool. nice from the very set. Cool. Yeah. And I've seen Moto. Moto has a picture with him too. Um, so. Yeah. So. Uh, where, uh, okay. So where did you go after 223? Is that when you, when you went to Anglico? I went down to Anglico, yep, and was with the reserves and got to jump out of airplanes, which was, which was a fun time. And, yeah, it was really, really a good ground tour, you know, to kind of low, uh, low impact. You know, we worked with the reserves, so we did mostly stuff on the weekends as far as any of the tactical stuff. Nine to five, it was just keeping track of the admin stuff and being the assistant a assistant inspector instructor so i was kind of like the xo but it was a small group of, of, of reggies and then the reserves kind of ran their own gig but we got to i got to jump with them you know jump out airplanes with them on the weekend we'd go up to benning and jump in there and you know hump around for a weekend or they'd you know jump do local ops and stuff but it was it was a really good gig we, uh so how was that training jumping out of airplanes i i reached for the handle twice in my harrier career and i never yanked on it but uh Man, I've I have never had a desire to leave a perfectly good airplane behind. What was that like? <laughs> it was it was fun. I you know, it was at Benning. So before I went to Fourth Anglico, 
I got to go to Fort Benning in route, which was a three week course. And the funny thing about Fort Benning was it was kind of like a continuation of boot camp for because for a lot of the army folks, because they just go from boot camp and then they go to their MOS school. So it's kind of like the first MOS school. So it was a little bit like like the basic school in the in the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. where it's sort of a continuation of marching around and doing somewhat senseless things all day. But, you know, it was like a week's worth of well. I'll say two weeks worth of training packed into three weeks. So maybe a week and a half worth of training. Um, But yeah, just a lot of, you know, one of the big things was parachute landing falls, right? So they did what they call the old PLF. And we've all learned that, you know, from going through our own training. So you had to learn how to do that dynamite PLF. And, you know, they go through and literally just walk through, like we did a whole week of parachute landing falls. If that gives you any ideas of how that training went. So but it was wow. just good time got to jump you know. so, so how and i don't <laughs> really remember, break it down i don't remember how it happened Otto. but you i i talked to you after a i think i talked to you did, did you jump at night one time during training did you have to do a night jump we we did yeah we did one night jump yep it, and I we think did. it was after that night jump, you, you guys were somewhere uh, celebrating still being alive. And, and I ended up talking to you on the phone and it was, you, you guys were, go, you guys were moving fast. If I remember right, you were moving really <laughs> fast. Lots of knots. Yes. Well, yeah, a lot of knots. <laughs> <laughs> you guys nice. were charged up. Nice. Well, I like I, that description of the training though. And if you maybe be able to test to it too, cause you went to uh, C-130s after that. And I almost went to the uh, 135 and I was talking to, I wound up not, not getting into that unit and which turned out to be a blessing in so many ways, but I think it was Andrew Hall that told me that he, he had done the, the transition training and he said, it's uh, three weeks of training all crammed into four months. Is that the, is that your recollection figure of, of that, of the transition training? Oh yeah. Well, you know, it was my first introduction to the air force yeah. and let me tell you <laughs> they do it different <laughs> well you know we, we'd always we'd all heard the stories and uh, uh day day one uh they started stacking these books in front of me and i finally i said what what is this and this guy looks at me what like i had three eyeballs and says well these are your pubs i said pubs for what <laughs> He said, well, these are your pubs for flying a C-130. I said, you got to be shitting me, right? <laughs> After it was about a foot tall. Yeah. Yeah. Air Force has pubs for everything. Everything. You know, how to fly instruments, how to fly VFR, how to fly a C-130. I fly a C-130 tactically. And then you had the C-130 flight manual that we would call a NATOPS manual. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was two NATOPS manuals thick where they just crap. Uh, and they, uh, they attack training uh, opposite from the way you know we were accustomed to in naval aviation where you know they had so many handcuffs on for training that you know you would never really train realistically like you would operate and then ironically flash forward a few years you know i'm flying combat operations in afghanistan and of course as soon as you go into combat the air force waves everything so there's no more rules so this is perfect i said i said one night in a brief i said this is great we're doing sh- shit that we don't train to do, but we're waving it now because we're in a contingency operation. Wouldn't it be really nice if we'd all train like this before we got here? You know, flying at night on EVs, doing. How'd that go over? I was going to yeah. say that made you popular, didn't it? 
Yeah, well, it did. Uh, but yeah, I, I didn't care. And I always wore my gold wings. I wore my gold wings my whole uh, career in the air guard. For you. Yeah. F those guys. Wings well, the gold. interesting thing, Fig, just to tie it back to jumping out of airplanes, actually Fort Anglico, when I, so that I did that tour as a forward air controller. And then when I was, I don't know if you knew this, but when I had 18 and a half years in the Marine Corps, I, got, I was in Yuma flying C-12s and trying to get ready to basically retire. Um, so I had basically a year and a half left. And I, it was 2003, early 2003, and they decided they needed forward air controllers over in Iraq because right. this was Operation Enduring Freedom. So I one Sunday, my boss calls me and says, hey, you know, your name appeared on a naval message. Um, you need to be reporting to Pendleton next week because they need, they need forward air controllers. And you've been be selected to be an individual augmentee for the 1st Marine Division. So because of that great deal I had for two years down in South Florida, I was <laughs> deep selected to um, go to Pendleton for a week, relearn how to be a forward air controller, and then fly over to um, uh, Kuwait at the time and join 1st Marine Division. And I had no idea what, what job I was going to do while I was over there. So... When I got there, I had, of course, my pack and my sea bag. When I did the sea bag drag and I became the air officer for uh, 1st Battalion, 5th Marines. So I spent three months in Iraq driving, a, well, in Kuwait at the time, we breached the berm up, you know, in the northern part of Kuwait, uh, went into the Ramali oil fields, fought all the way through Iraq and uh, north, north of uh, Baghdad, up to Chikrit, back down into Baghdad. So... That was my, for my good two-year good deal tour in Fourth Anglico, I ended up for three months in Iraq in 2000, 2003, riding the back of an LVT C7. Nice. About that. Oh, brutal. So, see, uh, before, so a part of your uh, Anglico training, you went to, uh, did you do the, uh, was it the Naval Special Warfare Lant? Did you go there for the fact school in Norfolk? Actually, I did yes and to, i'm trying to think of the sequence but um yeah i had to go to fac school it was actually PAC. i went to the PAC school so i went to san diego oh that's rough um we went to yeah that was kind of rough but we you know you do the ground <laughs> stuff there and then we went to the stumps we went to 29 palms to do our oh. air control training um but yeah i did the i did the pack course and i'm trying to remember i I want to say I went to that course and then I went right to right to jump school after that, and then then down to to my to my unit. So, but yeah, so no good deal goes unpunished. And oh no, that was my reward for for two two years in West Palm Beach. I ended up deep selected to be the for the uh, air officer for First Battalion Fifth Marine. That's brutal. Did, hey, did you keep combat control logbook while you were in combat? control logs just curious no not no we not no not i mean i had a notebook from the operations from you know when we where every basically we went you know it was like almost every other day we would it would seem like we would do an uh, you know an attack on some location and they would brief the attacks before the before the attack so i would keep notes i had i have a small notebook that i kept detailed notes of of every, of okay. every attack and how we did it and everything. 
we, we well, I'm just wondering if, if I think maybe you were going this direction with it or not. Was uh, did you run into any of our old buds? Now it was fully ten years uh, prior to during freedom that we were in the core of our uh, of our time together in in two twenty three. But did you did you uh, control any of our uh, contemporaries? I'm well. See, I was the air officer, so I talked to you know. We basically handed them off. It was basically yeah. by call sign, so I don't you know yeah. call sign of the the not tactical call signs, but oh, the call gotcha. sign of the yeah. from the ATL, right? Gotcha. So it's like you know you're two F-18s, and you're going to get these guys. We did control Harriers, you know, and a number of others, but things were so fast and furious that you know. There may have been a few. I don't remember any jumping out at me, but mainly because yeah. I had we had three facts in the maneuver company, so the forward air controllers were the ones who actually got to talk to the pilots. So they may have run into people, but I didn't. Yeah, got gotcha. you. So Otto, do you remember Steamer? From, uh, from no, I don't. Steamer. Honestly, I think so Otto might have left about the time Steamer got there because he joined us right as we went to Westpac. Okay, so Steamer, uh, he ended up. Uh, uh, he, he's at, he's at, uh, he's at a, a major airline with, uh, with a bunch of us, but he, he ended up going back in the reserves and, uh, he was in the 25th Marines as an air officer. And he ended up deploying, uh, over to our, uh, our operation Iraqi freedom about the time they were doing the, you know, they wanted a air officer, a fact with every moving unit. And, uh, so the short of the story is I find out from steamer later, later after he's home, He's on a rooftop in some part of Iraq controlling some airplanes. And he's got a staff sergeant or a gunnery sergeant with him running radios. And he's working a section of F-18s. And it's uh, call sign Pony, who's a guy that we all were instructors with down in Kingsville. Steamer and Pony and I. And, and they're just having a little small talk in between the action. And Pony says, uh, hey, have you heard from Fig? And uh, Steamer goes, no, nah, I haven't talked to Fig in a while. And the, st- the gunny that's sitting next to him says, you talking about Fig Newton? And Steamer says, yeah. And he goes, I know that guy. This, this That gunny was in the 24th Marines back when, uh, you know, when uh, the, for summer he was an augmentee. And yeah. uh, what a small world. What a small Marine Corps, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> There you go. Well, I've had a couple guys on my jump seat now and then from your airline and fig, and I can tell you, you are, uh, you are world famous. So really, <laughs> I don't, I don't believe that for a second. Uh, so Otto, I, I, I I'm going to tell a story, but I, I want, you know, this is from my point of view and I want you to tell me how accurate it is and how much was, how much I've, uh, I've either lost or inflated over time, but here's, Here's how I remember this. Okay, uh, yeah. it's a it's a flying story. You 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 were t- you were training me through the uh, ACM syllabus, air combat maneuvering syllabus. In this particular day, we had coordinated to do a dissimilar ACM with a it's a two v two out in the whiskey area, the warning area over the Atlantic Ocean with some Navy guys from an from Oceana and conveniently it was on a friday afternoon and we were going to uh, go do the training and then we took our you know shave kit toothbrush clean pair of skivvies and we were gonna uh, spend the night at oceana and take advantage of the happy hour at the oceana officers club uh, which was back then pre pre tailhook era there there may or may not have been um, 
strippers at the fighter bar uh, uh, during happy hour. Uh, and, and let's just get this is right out in the open. There was. And so we we briefed and we walked. We were walking to the jets and, uh, you know, we walked out of the hangar and we're walking across the flight line. And there was this big black wall of clouds to the north, which was the direction we generally had to go. And I was watching you to see if you're going to look at the clouds and go, Oh yeah, this is done. We're going to go back in. But you, you never even flinched. And I'm like, well, he's, he's the guy, you know, he's, he's the man If Otto's not worried about it. I'm not going to be worried about it. So, you know, and I was your wingman. So, uh, you know, we start them up, we take off and, uh, I join up on you and we go right into that goo and it was bad. It was really ugly looking, but I wasn't, I was concerned. I wasn't scared because you were going. And I thought, if Otto's going, I'm going, right? We went into the goo and it got thicker and thicker. And, you know, I was, it seemed like I was so close to you. It was painful just to keep sight. It got bumpy, uh, turbulent, and then it was raining real hard. And then it got really, really loud, really, really loud. And then it was because there was, we were going through hail. And I was as low as I could get in my seat because I was sure the hail is going to come through the windscreen. I was as low as I could get and still keep sight of you. And then when the noise was so loud, I thought the canopy was going to explode. Poof! We popped out in clear blue sky on the other side of that stuff. And then we, we kind of both came out of our turtle shell, and I was looking at your airplane, and you were looking at me, and finally one of us says, Dude, your airplane is messed up. <laughs> really? What's wrong with it? What's your? Well, what does mine look, dude? Your airplane look. And so we didn't fight. We uh, we went uh, uh, at that point. We couldn't get back to Cherry Point because uh, the weather was bad. So we just went on to Oceana. Well, you could, and, but it would have been dangerous. So. It would have been dangerous. <laughs> and, That's true. And so we so figured from, that out on the way out. <laughs> so from my recollection, we uh, we landed. We. Well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward. We got to the club and sure enough, uh, there were, there were, stri there were strippers at the club and, uh, there, there was motivation for you to get there. And I'm not going to go into that, but I do remember, uh, the, our, our CEO who, who thought very highly of you. I think if it was anybody else that would have, uh, uh, you know, done that, it would probably, but it probably would have been really bad, uh, uh, we didn't fly those airplanes back, if I remember right. I, I think we rode back in a van. Those airplanes needed some work. So do you remember that story or or, or how accurate was was that? I do remember the story. What I remember, though, was we had a, I thought we had gotten out of Cherry Point and uh, flown like or fought. Like I thought we had done the mission and then we were trying to get back into Oceana. And we you know, they said, yeah, there's like wall of. Like when we were talking to ATC, they were saying there's some weather ahead of you, right? You know, try yeah. to stay VFR, right? Because they were saying there's some cells that you need to pick your way around. Yeah. And so, as I recall, like we couldn't get above them because we had to land and we really couldn't go around them because there was goo everywhere. So we said, I, my, my memory is like, okay, we'll just go below, right? We'll just fly low and we'll just kind of go below the clouds, right? Stay below yeah. the, the weather, essentially. And so we got as low as we could, like, I don't know, minimum vectoring altitude or whatever. We were trying to pick our way through, but at some point it's just like, no, nope, we're going IFR. 
because we couldn't go any lower. We were like 5,000 feet or something trying to get into Oceana. And that's when we were just like hanging on and going through that, going through the hailstorm. So I'm going to go my with memory that. of it. I'm going to go with your, I'm going to go with your recollection because I do have a snapshot memory of it, it had to be with you. Cause it seems like I did almost all my air, air training with you. We, we were uh, uh, doing a BVR setup with some Navy guys and it was F-14s because you when, when they when one of them turned, you know, you could see them for 100 miles. It seemed like it wasn't really that far, but it was like, holy shit, there they are because yeah. they were the Big size airplanes. of a tennis court. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then they came nose on and disappeared. Yeah. Weird. That was the amazing thing about that airplane. Yeah, plan for them. It was dark in the sky, and then they turned those on to you. They just disappeared into nothing. That was yeah, disconcerting. Glad they were ours. Well, but I do remember the leading edge of the wings because they were metal, were pretty well dented in, and yeah. we lost um, some of the receiver covers. Yeah. They were. I was like, oh, that's what that looks like. I guess that that was fiberglass. Yeah. Arbs camera, <laughs> one of the art, one of the I don't, I don't remember if it was yours or mine. The Arbs camera lens was imploded, or smashed. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So and that was a glass camera on the, the nose that they used, and, and that was the angle rate bombing system that the computer used to figure out where targets were. And I remember the uh, yeah. the the composite part around the canopy looked fuzzy. It looked, you know, when we were flying, it looked fuzzy, and I'm like, your canopy looks fuzzy. Yeah, it was because it was really kind of shredded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good times though. It was good times. Yeah. That was good times. Yeah. <laughs> we may, might have pushed that one a little too far. Ah, you yeah. know. Might have pushed that a little too far. Well, you know, it was a good learning experience for me, obviously. And um it, it made an impact because I, I'll never forget it. Ever. Yeah. It was good. Well, you know, I thought about that once. I thought I actually forgot it was with you, Fig, but um that's it's good that you remember it because now that that you know, I I had thought about it. I don't know, maybe a year or two ago, whenever it was, thinking about stuff, and yeah, that brings it back to to, to the forefront. Well, uh, I I just thought I had another thought. Pete, repeat if you got something uh, you want to uh, you want to go down another channel. Let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to keep going. No, keep going. So we we did. Uh, if you guys remember, we did this combined arms ace deployment out to uh, Fallon, Nevada. Uh, it was towards the middle of October through November. We had the Marine Corps birthday ball out there. Oh yeah. You, you remember that? We yeah. went, had the Marine Corps birthday ball at Lake Tahoe that year with, uh, the whole group went up there. Well, uh, Otto, we, we were doing, uh, we, we, you and I, again, were doing dissimilar ACM with the, uh, the aggressors, uh, was that VF, VFA one twenty seven, the top gun aggressor guys. Do, mm-hmm. do you remember this? Remember that? It was the best day. It was the best day ever. And here's how I remember it. It, it, So it was the best day ever because not only did we do, do air to air combat with the aggressor guys, but that night we, we, we went to the club and they had the basketball hoop behind the bar. And if you made it, you got a free pizza. So we had a big day on the range with the top gun aggressor guys. And then we were really charged up about that. And we got back to the bar and we both made the baskets and we got free pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> Which was most important. Yeah, that was most important. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that flying training is one thing. You know, millions of dollars of training, free pizza. 
So here, here's, here's what I want to talk about. The story that I, I've used uh, because it has a great moral. And you, you were the mastermind of this auto. And I don't know if you remember this, but I'm going to describe it to you. So uh, the F-18 guys that were on that deployment, they came to us and they said, we want you guys to defend the south end of the valley. Don't tell us how many airplanes and, uh, and, and you, know, uh, you know, defend the old club, so to speak. And we're, and we're, we're going to be the aggressors. And it was, uh, I think it was, I don't, I don't remember what squadron it was, but I think they had brand new C's and they smelled like, like new cars on the flight line. You could smell the new paint. Uh, the, this, this particular sortie I'm going to talk about was being broadcast on the, on the big theater on the, because it was in the tax range on the tax ranger. Yep. Yeah. So the tax range mm -hmm. is just, just yep. to explain it, you know, they put pods, they put little pods on your airplane, uh, that sends telemetry. And there's also on the tax range, they have sensors that pick up the pods. So it sends back a three dimensional picture of what's happening. It's like watching a, 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 a movie in real time of this air battle. Right. So you being the tactics guy, came up with this plan since we couldn't you know out out radar them which we didn't hit, have hit the brakes and they'll go right by oh no we sorry. didn't that's a different movie <laughs> we did we did, you know we couldn't out shoot them because they had longer range missiles than we did they had radar missiles we so we had outsmart them and, and so you came up with this plan where we were going to send two guys out to fly single ship caps at the south end of the valley and then the other two airplanes were going to hold on the other side of the ridge, out of radar sight, down low. Do you, do you know where I'm going with this? I do. 100% I, I think, remember this. I think I was okay. on this yep. sortie. Yeah. So, so it was you and I, Otto, that were the guys low. And if you remember this, Pete, you must have yeah. been one of the cappers. I think, I, I think I, yeah, I was going to say, I was, one of the, I was one of the guys holding it, you know. All alone out there, waiting yeah. shot in the face. And so we, not afraid. And we <laughs> and we had a GCA controller, and he had a call sign. It he was really good. I can't remember his name. It was like Highway or, or, or I, I don't remember. But so you you drew a line on the map, and you said when the when the F-18s cross that line, you told the GCA controller to to tell us. You know, you had code word this, and then you and I were gonna pop over the ridge. And we would pop over the ridge behind them, and uh, we were going to start shooting, which was going to obviously confuse the hell out of them. And it's exactly what happened. The short of the story is these guys came down the valley, all four of them. They were painting the two guys at the end, thinking that it was two two caps, couple you know four airplanes, thinking you know, and that obviously that was you, Pete, and and they were painting and sorting and deciding who was going to shoot who and everything. And before they could start shooting anybody. All of a sudden, they were getting shot from behind, and they couldn't figure out how that <laughs> happened. And then when they realized that they'd been outsmarted by a little treachery, they, they, they cried foul. <laughs> In the debrief, they wanted to cry foul. And there was a Marine Corps general that was there, and he was watching. And during the debrief, he watched the whole thing unravel. And during the debrief, uh, you know, one of the F-18 guys got up and immediately started you know, crying foul. This was bullshit. You know, this was cheating, blah, blah, blah. And the general basically said, son, you got 
you got outsmarted, outgunned, and outwitted. You need to just sit down and take it. Okay, so that was my version. Can you can you expand on that at all, Otto? Yeah, well, no, I think that's exactly it. And the idea was just to give them, you know, show them what they expected to see yes. and then come from a place they didn't expect. And so, yeah, we came over the ridge. And as I remember, like we were just inside of missile range and, you know, had some closure on them. So we caught, we like, I don't know if it was you or me, but at least maybe both of us, like we, we picked the tail end guys. We call yeah. Fox two, like from the right, like right five o'clock and you know these guys start to turn and so in in the tax range debrief you've got the perfect like airplane turning you know calling fox to you got the you know the, the whole thing i don't know what i can say because you know just to keep it um what i can say but yeah you know so boom you know fox two you know we fire the missile Tax range shows it's a good shot, or at least it's right at right at the edge. Like they, they could argue it, but they're like, "Oh, that wasn't a good shot. You didn't have closure, and you were, you know, this many this far away." And you know, <laughs> we're arguing the shots, and it was just hilarious. But but meanwhile, their whole strike package was like break turning because two Harriers were at their six o'clock, so it made it all worthwhile. <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's awesome. And thinking of one other time a hornet got beat, and I think I think this was you out at Yuma. In Yuma, did you yeah, beat yeah. a squadron? Did you beat a squadron CO hornet CO? I did in in the vertical, right? In the vertical, because I did an yes. flop. He did not yep. see that coming, and yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Th I didn't know if it was work, but I said, you know, this is a point. If this is, I'd done them in practice on my own, you yeah. know, and and it worked like textbook. It it yeah. you know. Half of my buddies were watching the thing on the tax on the tax yeah. thing. You came down to zero airspeed, your nose falls through, and there's a big ass hornet in your screen. Right there. <laughs> Wait. He was trying to get his nose up. You know, I was just doing the old we'll pose the nose thing, trying to live, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, when his nose started coming up, my nose knees started coming down. So I thought, hey, this looks like a nozzle flop. Grab the nozzles. Nose flipped down. There he was. Got tone. Boop. Thank you. <laughs> Probably about the so, only three so times in history was, a Harriers beat a Hornet. Right. <laughs> this was the hit the brakes and let him fly right by. That I did. I hit the brakes. He flew right by. Out of, that's something you taught me way back when, bro. <laughs> Wait, they fly you, right that, by. you teach that to Pete Mitchell, too? <laughs> so, actually, either you guys seen that yet? The new one? I did. I did. It, it was good. It the, was. You know what? It was a whole lot better than the first one. Yeah. Someone you know, asked me about the storyline. I said, well, it couldn't be worse. <laughs> Maybe my expectations were really low, but yeah. you know, I thought it was pretty good. And now it's not a, you know, you, the cinematography you was amazing. It was, it was but, good, but still the slap in the stick around, like you're, you know, sitting still in the hangar. Yeah. You can't do that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's a Hollywood part. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you seen it yet? That's Otto? what makes it Hollywood. Yeah. I have not. I have not. But it's I got to run it for you, Otto. It's, it's good. It's 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 worth watching. It was yeah. well done. Yeah. Yeah. Take take your uh, take your list. Take your best. Take your best girl. Go there with no with not a lot of expectations. You'll probably be okay. Wear a flight jacket. You walk out with a bunch of women on your arm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be taken by yeah. wife. Probably, yeah. Well, so that yeah. might not be yeah. the best. She may thing. not understand as well. <laughs> yeah. Let her wear the flight jacket. Right. Because there's a chick fighter there pilot in the movie. There you yeah. Go. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, not nice. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Good stuff, hey, man. 
So regarding call signs, can you explain how you end up with the call sign of auto? I can. So <laughs> when I was in my first squadron, we did this wonderful thing called the gunnery pattern. And we do it in flight school as well. But for just to explain it to folks who may not understand, but there's an actual aircraft, which was an A4 at the time, that would tow a large banner that was about 30 feet wide. And I think I want to say, I don't know, hundred or so feet long. It was pretty, yeah. pretty long banner, bad, but right? it was a pretty big orange banner. Yeah. And so the four airplanes would go out. This airplane would be towing a banner at, I want to say like 15,000 feet or so out and out over the water. Right. Cause we were actually shooting live bullets at this banner that was being towed by another aircraft. So to be the tow guy, like you had to draw a short straw, I guess, but, um, <laughs> but so we're, we're, yeah. we're promised but, not to lead, you know, lead the banner too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> but to trust, I'll say four Harrier guys to shoot live guns at, at the banner, which was, I don't know, actually about a thousand or two feet, 2000 feet on a big cable behind the aircraft. So probably wasn't as dangerous as that, but still nonetheless. Uh, but yeah, so we fly in the gun pattern and basically, you know, you just, these four airplanes just fly different positions within within the, the gun pattern, as it were. And you just maneuver so that you can get into position to actually have a run at the banner, right? Yeah, and perch. the other airplanes are positioned in vertical. Yeah, you come down from high perch and do the low reversal and run in there and, you know, squeeze the trigger and shoot. But you do it in such a way that the other aircraft are not in the place where they could get shot by your bullets. But... So we were doing the gun pattern. Here we go. And so I, I, you know, it's like my first, first you do a dry run. And then, so it's the first real run. So I come by the, by the aircraft, you know, twos off, you know, coming in twos at high reversal, you know, twos in hot. So I do the low reversal, you know, cleared hot, boom. I hit the uh, master arm on and I had been, I was convinced you know, I was going to hit this banner. So I, pull the, put the trigger down and you're supposed to just do like a one second, two second burst. And, you know, you're carrying 200 rounds. So you're like two, you know, two second burst and you do like 60 rounds or so. So you may get, you know, four or five passes at the banner. And I was just dead set that I'm going to hit this banner. I just put what I tried to get the pipper on. Cut that thing in half, I'm huh? Working the rudders. <laughs> I'm working the rudders and I'm just holding the trigger down, you know, ready for that banner to fill my windscreen. And I literally shot all my rounds in one pass at my first pass of the banner. <laughs> so I go by, right? <laughs> and so here I go, you know, now I'm come by the aircraft and it's like two's off. And so you had to go switch is safe and then called out the number of rounds that you have left. And so you're like two's off, you know, hundred rounds. Yeah. But I'm like two's off Winchester, which means I'm out of rounds. <laughs> And so the lead pilot, who was a guy named Dickie Joe from Texas, he says, holy cow, boy, what the hell are you doing back there? Are you on full auto? You're going to melt the barrel of that gun. And so, you know, he's just raving at me for about 30 seconds to a minute. Meanwhile, you know, other people are trying to fly the pattern, getting cut off. And, you know, but that was that was my story. So from then on, it was. I was dubbed full auto after that. There you go. That's a great, that's a great call sign. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's a great call sign. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And by the way, those were, uh, those rounds were about a pound a piece, right? So you, 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah twenty five million rounds, rounds about it. Yeah. It's a little over. It's a little over a pound a piece. Oh, we're yeah. we're on video, and but uh, this is an audio only show. We got to get video someday. I've actually got a twenty five millimeter shell sitting on my desk behind me here. Is it live? Is it live? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, dude, that, yeah, yeah. Where, where did that come from? Yeah. So, but <laughs> no, those TF things are huge. Yeah, but it sounded they they fired so fast. It it sounded more like a burp than a gun. Yeah, burp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was that was, that was a but, cool um, cannon on that airplane. That's a good story. Yep. Yep. That's so, awesome. you, hey, were you? A but I did hit. But I did. I did hit the banner. I'm surprised well, you just saw it half. I, <laughs> so if, so, everybody had different. I, color, I, everybody had different colored rounds. Yeah, right? they did or, have different colored bullets. Yeah, they had different <laughs> so, colored rounds. And so then you come back and look at the banner and that's, you know, so I, you know, they want, you want to get 10% rounds on target. So I had, I actually, I remember now it was like 18 rounds out of 180 that I had in, you know, cause they didn't load the full 300. Yeah. But so. So you got 10%. There you go, man. Got 10%, man. If the minimum wasn't was good called. enough, it wouldn't be the minimum. If you're in the Navy, they will give you an E for that. One of those, remember those bombing E's <laughs> yeah. the Navy guys got? That's right. They got close to the bullseye. We we shack them. We, they'd give you a slap on the back. Nice job, Marine. Yeah. Navy guys got an E. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. That was expected, man. Yeah. You get a you get an extra ribbon or something. I remember in the rag too. The first first bombing run I did as a student in the rag went out and because uh, we did the iron sight bombing in the A four in the training command. Then you get to the Harrier and you got the angle rate bombing system, uh, computer computed bombing all kinds of stuff but the first first sort of you do in the rag you do iron sight bombing just like the a4 like okay repeat rolls in and my first hit is three feet boom oh man i got oh wow i'm an expert i don't think i got a three foot hit with a computed bombing run after (laughs) after that but uh in the rest of my career but uh, I, in there. yeah, you, uh, to, to be clear, uh, Otto, your name has already been taken in vain on this uh, podcast. Uh, either, I don't know if it was the first or second episode, but uh, uh, I did I did talk about, uh, oh, it was the second one because we were talking to Sleeper. Uh, yeah. We were out doing a, a sortie. Um, and uh, uh, apparently, I, I, I don't know if this is with you as the fact or or what because uh, either that or i've got a habit of it i only recall it ever happening once so i think it was there but uh i, I fully remember the beep and auto goes clear that <laughs> 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 thanks brother <laughs> save me the embarrassment <laughs> so you're supposed Just to hear the clear to hat it. before yeah. the beep when the weapon comes off the airplane you know so um yeah it's only bad if you actually like kill somebody then then it's really bad or get it really close which has happened to people unfortunately it has yeah yeah Uh, happened out in westpac a couple times they i don't know if they're going out trying to get some of the metal recoup some of the metal on the bombing targets uh in in the water but uh you go out there and you couldn't see them i mean you're you're at four thousand feet rolling in and yeah and uh you know they're down there in boats trying to trying to go pick up the bombs before they sink or something. yeah <laughs> well i was yeah. a range officer out in yuma as one of my last tours and we would you know there was a lot of scrappers that would go out there and they'd find folks from time to time or you know bombing ranges would get shut down just because people are out there on ranges and they would collect you know they would try to collect some of the rock eye munitions for the for the 
um, explosives and what i mean that's sensitive fused munitions oh yeah people the scrappers would literally be out there and the and the aluminum like you know i don't know if they even do rock anymore but um they used to have the rock ranges out there in yuma yeah and it was sensitive fused munitions yeah it was a fun weapon to big drop. metal Expl- casings yeah, yeah. yeah. explain what rock yeah. they were all aluminum so yeah yeah uh, d- describe well, that yeah. describe a rock uh canister would you well, rock eye canister looks like a big, almost like a rocket, actually. And it the, the thing kind of flips open like a clamshell. And then what happens is these bomblets, you know, I want to say a couple hundred, but they're, well, pound or so. 250. High explosive. Yeah. Yeah. 250 hand grenades. So 250 hand grenades, but they'll either, they'll go as a shape charge, like they have a um, fuse on the front that can go in as a shape like it's a shaped charge so that can yep. penetrate some amount of armor or if it just lands in the ground it'll just it can just explode if it's a hits a soft thing then it explodes like a shrapnel like you're saying a grenade so but they would literally go out there and these things are what they call sensitive fuse so it means they're already live fuse and it's you know just could be a hair of trigger but scrappers would literally go out and collect they would find them they would either they'd find some of them killed either because they got you know one blew up but they would be, you know, have it in their truck or they would have people and they'd actually cut the police would actually find these from time to time in some of the towns near El Centro, oh, um, you know, in somebody's house. And they would just have like a whatever a container of these crazy munitions <laughs> sitting which on the coffee table below. Yeah. Sitting on <laughs> the, the coffee co- table. Yeah. Is that a coffee table next to the magazines. Well, <laughs> and the only thing EOD could do was literally like blow up their house because they were. They were too dangerous to move. So they would literally go in and just like put deck board and blow up their house. <laughs> oh, man. Crazy times. Darwin, yeah, right? Darwin's uh Darwin's yeah. theory of natural selection in process there. Well, well alive there. So, oh my oh, gosh. Shit. No kidding. Hey, one other thing I want to mention real quick, Audit, too, is that uh, you were uh, you said this to me. Early on, when we when I first got to the squadron, and it, it stuck with me, um, I didn't always like it. In fact, there were many times I found it inconvenient. Um, but you said it to me when I was a new safety officer, and I was like, "Jeez, ah, he's he's not wrong," <laughs> and you weren't. And it was you don't get to pick and choose the rules. You remember telling me that? You probably said that to more than one person. Um, the rules that you want to uh, obey and the ones that you want to disobey, you don't get to pick and choose. You got to follow all of them. And if you don't like them, work to get them changed. So, um, you know, I always took that. Yeah, I do too. actually remember that now that you added that context, because um, yes, I do. That is, that is, that is actually a philosophy that I follow still, you know, is that like, you can, you know, we can change things, but if the rules are there, you know, you got to follow, you got to follow the rules. You got to follow, follow the leaders last instructions as well right because right. i've seen a lot throughout my career where people would go to a meeting and you know say yes and then walk away from the meeting and then not want to do what they were just agreed to do right so yeah i think it's and i mean i think it goes through business and everything else too it's like speak up in the meeting and try to get something changed and confront rather than you know just disregard it after the fact so yeah yeah oh we're not going to do that yeah doesn't work as well wise words yeah, no, that was, yeah, you're, that was it stuck is. with me. And, it, you know, it, it's funny, you, you go through life and you don't understand or you don't realize what impact you have on people and you say something to them 
and you don't know whether they even heard it or not. And, and, you know, but, but, you know, I, both of, you know, that there's times in lives when people have said something along those lines to you and, you, and it, it sticks with you and you're like, Oh, and you, you actually wind up having an influence on somebody. Um, and that was a big influence on me early on. I just, I wanted to relay, relay that back to you. Some, what is it? 35 years later that, uh, um, I yeah, didn't always like you. it, but, but, <laughs> but, but you weren't wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you one that stuck with me. What somebody told me one time when I was a young lieutenant, they said, there's going to come a point in your life when you're going to have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and no one else is going to be there to help. And you're just going to have to do it yourself. And I've, that's served me well throughout the years because there are times when you just have to dig down deep and, you know, make it happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, nice words. True that. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, let me Getting circle in heavy, with, man. yeah, right. Let's, 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 so let's take that, go from here and, and I'll, I'll ask you a question, which you may not be able to answer right away, but if, if something comes to mind in the next few minutes, then think about it. But two, two questions actually, or a two part question. What is the scariest thing that ever happened to you in the airplane or, or in combat? And, and what's the funniest thing you remember seeing or hearing? So for uh, me, the, the scariest yeah. thing I'll tell you was, yeah, I, it's actually something I've been thinking about lately. Uh, but this, one of the scariest moments was I was taken off out of Albuquerque, New Mexico with a four ship. And for some reason we did um, a section like, a, I guess it was two section takeoffs. So the first two went, they were like a thousand. So basically we put four points on the runway, staggered across this big runway and they were, I want to say, 600 or 1,000 feet between aircraft, right? So front to back. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I was 4,000 feet back or whatever on the left side of the runway because the wind was coming left to right. So you were um, dash four. You I remember this. Four. I was dash I was dash four. Okay. And it was Albuquerque in the summer, like at about 11 or noon or so. So what could go 6, wrong? Just taking off out of Albuquerque is scary. Say no more. <laughs> hey, were you going east or west? <laughs> Uh, oh. towards the mountains. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're taking off I think east. That was, east. Yeah. I thought I was going to yeah. say east, but yep. there's dual runways there. And we were on, I'll, I want to say the left runway heading east. So the north side, whatever that was. And so, you know, rolling, rolling, go. The first two put the power in the corner. I think we did two different sections, but anyway, so I put where we all went, but I put the power in the corner and then I got to my takeoff speed and, you know, in the Harrier, we did short takeoff. So it was stow speed. So you put the stow stop back. And so I popped the stow stop back at the speed and the aircraft gets into the air, but it's in, it's basically in ground effect. Right. And it's hot. And I can see the temperature just starting to go up on the, on the, on the aircraft, you know, cause we could see in the heads up display. Yeah. It was, the EGT what they was rising. Octagon. Yeah. Yeah, the, the exhaust, yeah, the temperature yeah. and uh, on the exhaust gas. And so now uh, here we are over the runway and I'm in ground effect. I'm not climbing and I'm not accelerating because I was just on the back. I was literally on the back side of the power curve. And so the winds come from left to right. So now I'm in the center of the runway. And a few seconds later, I'm on the right side of the runway. And as I, I'm like, I really would like to stay over the runway because with the Harrier and then get the nozzle down at 50, that time, 50 degrees because we were, you know, changes because the charts and stuff but it was a 50 degree short takeoff and so i um i don't want to get blown off the runway 
just because I'm so low to the ground. I'm like at 30 feet. So I start to correct and I probably should have put rudder in, but I was kind of dipping my wing and I felt myself going back down to the runway, you know, like sinking lower. So I level my wings, right? Level my wings and I'm not accelerating. I'm not climbing and I'm still at 30 feet. Now I get blown off the runway and I'm over the taxi lights. And I, uh, now I'm like literally tearing up taxi lights at Albuquerque, Albuquerque's runway because the exhaust from the Harrier is coming out at 25,000 pounds or whatever it is. Right. So there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of hot air coming out of the back of that aircraft blowing over taxi lights, starting to dig a trench by the side of the runway. A few <laughs> seconds later, I'm in the middle of the duels at 30 feet with the nozzles at 50 degrees and I'm kicking up a rooster tail. I'm digging a trench down between the middle of the runways in Albuquerque. Well, what's at the end of the runway at, between the duels in Albuquerque? The ILS. And at 30 feet, you're not going to clear the ILS. No. So all of a sudden, you know, things got pretty real. And, you know, just instinct kicked in. I pushed the power in the corner, tripped the limiters. So all of a sudden, I get the spike of of temperature so and yeah once so you he have cut enough, off the engine limitation yeah. that the computer keeps in place for you now it's get the engine's going to give you everything you got exactly so now boom you know temperature goes temperature spikes i get enough power to clear the the ils which is a big shack with antennas at the end of the runway between the duels so i survived this this harrowing experience and it, but a presence of mind as soon as i got enough as soon as i got like on the front side of the power curve got flying cleared the ils i pulled the power back right because you know i don't want to over smoke the motor right i wasn't right. just panicked or anything but you know so get up clear the ils now meanwhile like i'm in time compression i'm so focused on flying the airplane the flight's checking in so they're like nightmare flight check-in like two three and i don't check in and they're like nightmare flight check-in two three and nothing right so I hear that as I, as, as I clear the ILS, they finally f- figure to look back to see why I'm not checking in. And all they could see is this rooster tail and this like cloud of dust. And so Nightmare's like, auto's down, auto's down. <laughs> so I come like wallowing out of this cloud of dust. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm good, man. I just had to go through the limiters just to, you know, I had a little trouble back there. <laughs> and you're like okay so so you know get out the natops because you know get out the manual basically so you had to check the checklist and see like how hot how hot the engine was so you go to the engine page and it's like max temp and i want to say it was like i think like 765 was like you know turn around go home pull the motor whatever yeah. and i was at like 750 for three seconds or five seconds or whatever it was so i was still good <laughs> They're like, okay, you're good. Press. We can continue flight. <laughs> Here we so, go. <laughs> turn the limit. Turn the limiters back on. We keep going. <laughs> Beautiful. So that was it. That was that was my most harrowing experience. That actually Probably. reminds me of. I see, like a uh, year. Yeah. Oh, right. That that that, that fourteen yeah. seconds seemed like a year. That, that reminds me actually of I another story. For every every second of it. Yeah. Yep. We uh, auto. You were you were the lead on this one. You and I went down to Shaw. We were doing ACM, and you and I went down to Shaw. And I I told you earlier I I touched the handle twice in my life, and this was one of them. And we go to we we 
I, I don't remember much about the sortie, but I remember we go to land at Shaw and we do an RVL rolling vertical landing touchdown at like 35 knots. And I touched down a little right of center line and they were calling like a quartering tailwind at five knots. And the next thing I know, my airplane is headed off the runway to the right. And I'm like, Whoa. So I, you know, I'm kind of slow. I'm at 35 knots and I, I take my ring finger and I hit the nose wheel steering button and my left outrigger comes up as I try to steer back towards the center of the runway. Uh, so I let go of that and it free castered my outrigger comes down. I'm still heading off the runway and I hit my uh, nose wheel steering button again and up comes the outrigger and I'm like, F this, I'm out of here, man. And I, I put the power in the corner, pull my nozzles back in. And just about the time I get airborne, I'm, I'm leaving the pavement to the side. And I got a face full of foreboard. And I'm like, uh-oh. And that's when I had my left hand in, on the uh, handle and my right hand on the stick. And I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm about to go. I had kind of one eye closed and wait, waiting for any kind of indication that I'm hitting this thing. And I, cl I cleared the foreboard. And the Air Force has this thing called the soft, the supervisor of flying. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Dude comes on the radio and goes, when we clear you to land, we don't clear you to do touch and goes in the grass. You need to land on the runway. And I, I don't say anything. I come back around, except that I do declare the emergency fuel. They do send two uh, vipers around behind me because, you know, there's rocks and grass and shit all over the runway. <laughs> Yep. And, uh, so I come back around and I, and I do a, uh, uh, a, a short, actually, I think it might've been a slow landing cause, cause I came back around for the RVL the next time, much slower, much more under control. And I taxi in and I get to base ops and it's sitting there waiting for me. And, uh, uh, these, these two air force, uh, troopers come out going, Oh, that was so cool. There was grass and dirt and shit everywhere in the air out there, sir. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then the soft meets me inside, you know, when we clear you to land and I'm like, listen, you're lucky you're sweeping up rocks and not hairier parts out there, dude. <laughs> it's that's as close <laughs> as I've come. <laughs> the jumping out of the airport. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> funny stuff. That's good well, stuff. Yeah. It's well, I'll tell you the funny, here's the funniest one, man. This is the funniest story. I think, in, and it's not quite, actually funny but it turned out being funny to me so we're in iwakuni japan and we're doing i think it was acm we come back from this acm flight and we we're actually flying with tanks because i think we we're getting ready to go oh actually i think come home and so we had tanks on the airplane and so i'm out 1v1 with somebody we come back into the break and the you know for some reason i don't know what i said or he said but it was like hey we're gonna do Let's make this first one a conventional touch and go. You know, conventional landings in the Harrier were not fun to do. It was actually an emergency procedure, but, you know, you wanted to yes. do it from time to time, right? Because, you know, it was only like if I can't put my nozzles in because I've got a firelight, right? I got a nozzle out and all that. So one of the sources of fire, all that good stuff. So, okay, we're going to do a conventional touch and go. In fact, he was leading because he comes in first. And so he comes into the break. Boom, I come, I gave him enough space because I wanted, I knew, you know, conventional, I had to give him time, you know, it was going to have, things were going to happen fast. So I kind of go down with a little bit more and then, you know, I break and kind of ease it up and trying to give him enough space. So he, he comes around and I'm, you know, I can see him, he's turning right, doing right turn to the landing, looking out, seeing, seeing the airplane and I'm coming smoking around the corner, you know, with doing my conventional landing. And as I'm like turning, 
turning to the final, I can still see he's on the runway. And I'm like, hey, um, I don't want to say his call sign. I'll just say John. Hey, John, um, are you doing a are you doing a touch and go or a full stop? Because I see the aircraft is still like on the runway. And he's like, you know, he doesn't say anything. I'm like, oh, I know. Hey, are you is. doing a full yeah. stop? Yes, he and, is. And then he, he you know, he, he takes off, right? No, he takes off oh. again. <laughs> and he, he says, no, no, I'm, I'm airborne now. And I'm like, okay. And Tower says, uh, dash two, wave it off, wave it off. We've got parts on the runway. We got, you know, some kind of debris on the runway. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, what's going on here? I know. So I wave is. it off. And so he, he comes around there like, he's like, hey, um, you know, uh, he, I had a problem on that last landing. Um, you know, I think my gear might have folded up. I need to go, you know, so like, okay, go into the Delta pattern, hold overhead. And we you know we'll get, we'll get, you know, fixed up here. And so he's like, yeah, auto join on me. Let's go overhead. And you need to check out and make sure my gear are three down and locked. So I join him overhead and he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't know what happened. You know, I, as I touched down, I think my gear folded up and, and I, you know, kind of scraped across the tanks and, <laughs> So, so I join on him and now by now he's geared down, but he, so I, I'm looking, he goes, well, how's my airplane look? And that's the funniest thing because literally his safe, his speed brake was sawed off to the point that it was like flapping. The safety wire was flapping in the wind. The tanks were sawed in half from scraping down the runway flat because he scraped down the belly (laughs) flat man <laughs> he scraped down the belly of the runway and so he's like how do i look and i could i couldn't stop laughing i'm like <laughs> thinking to myself it doesn't look good like what am i gonna say it looks fine like you know you so great bro it took me <laughs> it looked fine so finally you know i just like i finally got my bearings and i'm like uh it looks like your gear's down uh but you know you're you know, you had a little damage to your tanks and, and the speed brake. And, but I think your, you know, gear looks good. You got, you know, it looks like you got four down and locked. So I think you're going to be okay. So then he came in and landed and he had a story about the gear folding up. But the, the reality is what happens with a conventional landing. If you come around too, you come around too fast. You never get the gear you don't trip. Won't warn you. No. You never get the warning, man. So because you never get below the plus or minus whatever it is, one sixty or whatever it is. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I suspect may have happened. But yeah, yeah. anyway, yeah. can't tell a guy. Oh, you look like shit. Hey, <laughs> oh, you're fine. You look great, bro. <laughs> but it was like you know, the, I don't know why the question struck me funny, but I guess it was the idea of all this safety wire just kind of flapping in the wind. Like, dude, it doesn't look good. <laughs> You're yeah, fine. you're fine. Hey, so. I, I was flying a T45 Gosshawk, brand new airplane down in Kingsville. And I had a new instructor. I was, I was doing instructor training. I was checking out new instructors in the airplane because it was brand new and, and they were trying to stand up the first squadron to teach students. So we had been out in the area doing work and we went over to Laredo, which is on the west side of this from Kingsville over right right on the border. border town. Yeah. And we, we went over there. And we did a little pattern work and then we stopped and got gas. And then as we were taken off out of there, I'm in the front seat pretending to be a student and the new instructors in the back seat. And I'm at the controls. We're rolling down the runway and the airplane starts pulling to the right and it's pulling hard to the right. And I got full rudder 
it's still going right. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is not going well. We had just enough speed that I knew I could get it over because I was doing test flight. I had doing maintenance test flights on those airplanes and I'd, I'd played around with a lot. So I put the stick in my lap. We got airborne right before we left the pavement. And as soon as the weight came off the wheels, all the warning and cautions came on, right? Uh, hydraulics. Uh, I mean, you name it. Well, about that time, there was a Learjet on short final. And he said, hey, Tower, we're going around. There is debris all over the runway. So now I'm, I'm putting things together in my head. I'm, I'm climbing out, just being glad, you know, you know, glad we're not in the grass. So uh, we left the gear hanging and uh, we went out in the mud, left the gear hanging, the flaps down, went out in the MOA and made a, you know, 99, any A4s in the MOA come join on me. So it was Steamer or one of our old squadron mates was out there with a student. He joins on me and I said, you, you triggered this memory auto by your story. And I said, hey, how's it look? <laughs> and so I see him in the mirrors, you know, he's down one side, he's back up the other, he's down the other side. He goes, dude, you're fucked. <laughs> Could you be a little more specific? Yeah. So the you know, right gear gone, the tires gone, the flaps are damn. You got hydraulic fluid run everywhere. You're fucked. Thanks. Thanks, bro. Nice. Oh, that was helpful. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it went back to Kingsville. Took so what tire. happened? The gear basically fell off. So the, uh, the tire... Wow. The tire came apart on takeoff and, and then the, uh, the wheel. So we're basically going down the runway, trying to take off on the wheel on steel yeah. on steel. And it, and it, Oof. it, yeah, it did a lot of damage. So we, we came, we went, uh, we, we, uh, burnt down to, you know, fumes. And then we took a trap back in Kingsville and screwed the runway up pretty good. And I was working for the wing at the time and the, the wing commander, who was my boss, this Navy captain, it was Scooter's brother-in-law, by the way. Huh? Yeah. Uh, we, he drives out in a staff car, car. I had just got out of the jet and, uh, you know, the crash fire rescue, everybody's there. I just got out of the jet and I'm standing there looking at this giant trench of concrete. I just bored down the, you know, a couple thousand feet down the runway. He gets out of his staff car. He looks at the airplane. He looks at the runway. He looks at me, shakes his head, gets back in the car and drives off. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Special. Oh, I well, thought you were going to tell me you were going to fly well, into Mexico and see if this guy is going to stop you. No. Yeah, take off and start turning left, you know, for the border. <laughs> no, but I did spend a little time in Mexico coming back from El Centro in an A4 one day where there was thunderstorms. Yeah. And it kept going right, kept going right, kept going right, just about uh, El Paso. And finally, uh, Albuquerque says, hey, uh, our, our call sign was Blazer. He says, hey, Blazer, you know, 1-1, one, one, uh, you're leaving our airspace. Uh, whenever you two come back, contact uh, Fort Worth on this frequency. So I'm out <laughs> in Mexico, not talking to a soul, going around all this weather. Finally, uh, and I, you know, I got really no, no way of position in myself because this is we did you know the a4 didn't have gps or anything yeah. else so uh, i flew for a while got around the weather and kind of took up a heading that i knew would bring me you know somewhere back across the i switched over to the fort worth and they're like hey blazer one one welcome back to the u.s <laughs> <laughs> auto you were in the squadron with uh, julio right remember julio, julio? Yeah, I was actually. Oh, yeah. I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. Julio oh, yeah. used to fly into Mexico all the time. He'd cut the corner off at Yuma, going back to Yuma. 
coming out of the chocolate mountains he'd cut the corner off and then and they'd yeah, come up on right guard and he'd swear at, he'd swear at him in spanish <laughs> he was our spanish exchange pilot yeah. <laughs> but launch your t28s if you're so damn tough <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to tell I'd like to tell Good Julio's stuff. story, but I, I can't oh. do it because it's it's it, he would have to tell it. It'd be an international incident. It, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, Julio and I had a different work ethic. He would he would take siesta at like three, so which was fine. I mean, that was just the way it was. I think they had a different view of of the world in terms of uh, you know just the way the way life squad squadron life was. I was a little bit yeah. more like I, I'm, you know, I was always had a hard work ethic, but my, my, my um, style wasn't as tactful as maybe I would have approached it today. <laughs> well, remember, you know, he was in the Navy. He was technically in the Spanish Navy. That's true. So, yeah, that's you know, true. The, and he was and a Navy his dad guy. was a VIP. He was like secretary of the Navy or something like that. I mean, it was, it was not. Oh, that I did not realize that might've, yeah. I might have actually changed my approach a little bit had I known that. <laughs> yeah. No, and I've I come to understand most of those guys were, you know, their dads were VIPs. That's how they got those tours. Um, oh, is that right? So, yeah. yeah. Did, did, hey, did either one of you guys ever hear his story about the when he was in his Matador squadron in Spain, how they did a uh, a sidewinder shoot and and uh, and he, he drew the short straw and had to be the guy that dropped the flare because they were just going to shoot him at a flare. Have either one of you guys this is ringing a bell, but I don't remember. What is, so he, what is... he told us this story sitting in the ready room one day. Uh, so the squadron commander was was going to be shooting Sidewinder, and Julio had to drop the flare out, out in front. And so the, uh, the, the brief was Julio was supposed to be at 250 knots. He was going to shoot the flare, break out of the way, and as soon as the, he was out of the field of view – and the skipper had a good lock on the flare, he was going to shoot the sidewinder. Well, so Julio said nobody trusted this guy. He was a horrible pilot. And so he was at 400 knots when he dropped, when he shot the flare. And he said, I, it was, uh, you know, of course he was he's saying this in a heavy Spanish accent while he's smoking a cigarette with the big mustache in the ready room, you know, I didn't trust his skipper. So, you know, I was at 400 knots. <laughs> <laughs> and he says uh, as soon as he hit the flare it was supposed to be flare break and then and then the uh, you know, Potatoes, you know yeah. yeah well as soon as he hit the flare he heard the skipper on the radio go uh-oh <laughs> and he said he looked over his shoulder and the missile was off the rail <laughs> and so he's breaking like you read about nose low pumping out flares <laughs> but he was a four oh my god yeah Hey, I'll get the so, low battery warning on my computer, uh, yeah, gentlemen. I'm at 4%. Oh, wow. If I just go off the air, yeah. I just want you to know, Otto, it's been awesome talking to you, man. No. So he, actually, well, that gives, us, that gives us... Sorry, Otto. No, it's, it's been great, man. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. Well, and thanks for joining us. And I think uh, this is probably a good place to end it. I may split this into two. We may be long enough for do episodes uh, three and four. But uh, we'll right. figure out that out in post. Hey, would you come? Would you but, come back and talk some more, Otto? Please. Absolutely, man. I'll just have to. Yeah. I'll have to do some homework and think about some more stories. Okay, but I'm, well, I know, you know I got what? a few more. We could uh, we we could send you ideas or, or something to jog jog your memory. That's what I usually. It's a, something triggers a, a a memory for me. Yeah. 
got, I got sure. a lot this is stuff, fun stuff. stuff. I, I'm just one. having so much fun catching up with you guys after all these years. I know, and right? All the good stuff we've gotten to do. I had forgotten about that. Thank, thank you for jogging my memories because I had for, I remembered the thunderstorm incident, but I I remember it a lot better now. And I you know remember I remember the Oceana trip, so that was a good <laughs> that was a good memory jog. And Fallon, man, we had a, we had a big day. We had a big day against the Top Gun aggressors. You and I. I don't I I don't, I don't want to go into details. I was here. It was a big day. We'll do that. On it was a show. good time. We'll yeah. do that on another one, yep. another show with you, Otto. So. All right, man. In the meantime, gents. Yep. Everybody, thanks for joining us, Otto. It's Fig and Repeat. Check sick. See you. Thanks, guys. When this is over, I'm hitting the sauce.